I know we talked about this last week, um, but this episode gave me a lot of time to think about it. Mm-hmm. I'm not quite sure where I land on this. Is Burnham's hair growth over the course of a year believable here to this point? Is this we we had wondered if this was some sort of extension she was doing, if she had done some sort of braid extensions, or if she had just done something uh, artificially in the story to lengthen her hair, like she's hiding out and this is a disguise or something was something I was considering. But mm. as we see through the montage, this is just hair growth that's happened over the course of a year. I was um. I felt like I could have convinced myself either way. This is a very small point, and I realize it's irrelevant, but it's a strange thing to me that her hair is so long here early on. And I, But the longer I watched it, the more I was like, maybe that's a believable amount of hair growth over a year. So what say you about this? Is this the right amount of hair that she should have at this point? I don't think so. There's a point in that flashback hair growth montage where it was like down to her shoulder, like just past her shoulders. I would have believed that. I thought that was the final stage of the evolution. So did I. I was like, Oh, okay. I guess it's not as long as I thought it was. And then they do one more and it's like down to the middle of her back. I mean, she might, (laughs) she might have a great extensions person on, you know, whatever planet she's on. I don't know. That's if that's cool. If that's what it is, that's cool. But as far as like, (laughs) I mean, if you're going to show someone's hair growing and, it would be great if they cut away to her getting extensions put in. That would be a pretty funny cut. <laughs> you got like um, Mr. Mott, uh, that alien race, the blue guys with the, the line in their head who are uh, yeah. always barbers and makes an appearance. You know, it's not it's not a big deal, but I do feel like it's such an easy fix, like with a lot of problems on the show. Uh, and I think it's indicative of other problems with her character in this episode. It's just a year is not a long enough time. It's like she's basically acting like your friend who did a semester abroad and then came back with an English accent. Mm -hmm. You know, she hasn't been gone for five years or something and her whole outlook has changed. She's been gone. It's been like eight months to a year. And it's it's not I don't know. It's I it's such an easy fix. I don't know why they didn't just pick a longer period of time. Nothing changes if you do. I have other. um I think it'll tie into other criticisms I have that are all very small, but maybe will conglomerate into something bigger. But we'll get into that when we come back. We'll take a break. We'll play a clip from the episode. And then we're going to come back and break down People of Earth. Surrender, or we will take what we need by force. Your request to visit Earth is denied. Leave orbit immediately. We'll deal with when ourselves. Inspectors, this is Captain Doyer. Seize all activities and return. Sir, we can't. Something's interfering with our transport. What? This is sabotage. We are a Starfleet vessel, and I would never utilize sabotage against the Federation's home planet. We will find the cause of the transporter interference and handle when. His fight is with us, not you. Then take that fight away from our orbit or we'll shoot them out of the sky, and you will have started a war in the name of Starfleet. Okay, so... People of Earth is the third episode of Discovery's third season. It came out on October 29th, 2020. Written by Bo Yan Kim and Erica Lippel. Directed by Jonathan Frakes. In universe date is 865211.3. It's the first star date with six digits in the first uh, the first number, which is interesting. In this episode, reunited with Burnham, Discovery heads to Earth to find out what has happened to the Federation in the last thousand years. Um, Burnham's hair was the, the other small thing. I, I think that this show... Um, to a degree that people will probably have a varying opinion on whether or not it matters. I think this show is is 
disinterested in details, interestingly. Like, it's one thing to be disinterested in canon, which is, uh, I would forgive the writers and be like, you know what, um, canon is, there's a lot of canon. I'll forgive you for making a mistake that some nerd on the sure. internet is going to point out. It's like, whatever, sure. as long as your intention seems fine, I think that things are working out. But I think within within scripts, they don't place a lot of priority on logic of things that like how the story is progressing here like burnham's hair is one thing uh what's taking place here is i assume that these dilithium raiders are on the moon of uh, moon of saturn which is called titan and i assume that they're in the solar system is that saturn or jupiter i can never remember titan is saturn i think it's saturn i'm pretty sure i might be wrong but either way it's saturn saturn or jupiter they're right next to each other doesn't matter clearly it doesn't matter um when they jump out of the spore drive, they are next to Saturn, and they're heading mm-hmm. towards Earth. They cut inside. Saru says, we've completed the spore jump, and Book might say, well, fuck me, we got here fast. And then they're at Earth, right after. Like, he says it, and then they are literally right at Earth. So mm-hmm. Discovery is moving extremely quickly, but this also serves to highlight, I don't understand how isolated Titan can be at this point when it's such a short drive to Earth where mm-hmm. I understand in the series long-range communications have died out. This feels like it's literally the the roommate in your bedroom next to you in your apartment. You can't just walk over and slip a note under his door or something to see if he's still alive in there. It's it's a really strange <clears throat> lack of respect for like the distance that I think is necessary to make sense of how Titan can actually be isolated from things. Well, you know? I mean... <laughs> I wouldn't. I wouldn't choose season three of Discovery for them to start paying attention to distances at this. No, you know, no, they've they've always not cared. But here, yeah, here it flies in the face of what I think the point is: is that everyone is so disparate and isolated from each other, and they they well, don't seem to be that way. I I don't know. I don't know if it bothers me that much because it's it's the whole thing is that earth has cut itself off from everybody else and, and become very isolated and defensive. And so could I believe that they didn't drive two hours or however long it takes in this universe to get to Titan, uh, to see what was going on? Eh, I mean, well, I think the implication here is that they, they knew nothing about it though. Like Titan didn't try to send a message to earth to be like, Hey, our, experiments blew up and everyone's like in Mm. real rough shape maybe we could do something to help because it's just their their total ignorance of it is not just we knew something was going on out there but we're not going to leave earth to go help things it's well we were surprised that this happened in the first place what a shocking revelation well they did isn't that isn't isn't that how the whole thing started was they sent they tried to fly back to earth and they got shot out of the sky the raiders tried to yeah yeah like before they started raiding they tried to return to Earth, and Earth blew them up. So that's why they started. They didn't uh, want to send a message first. They wanted to. Just- I don't know. Maybe their radio broke. <laughs> I'm not saying I like it, but I don't know if I don't that's know. that's it's- the rationale for it. Is that they, it, they yeah, attempted? It, I would I would put it under the category that you're talking about of, of yeah details where it's like yeah, okay fine whatever. But if you kind of start thinking about it a little bit, it either it either falls apart or requires more logic uh explanations in your own head that i think is warranted for for most good stories yeah for a pretty simple resolution here like a pretty it's it's a very um uncomplicated 
mm-hmm. Saru negotiates the truth, which is that neither of them knew what the other one was talking about. And so peace right. is now born from this. So it's a very simple resolution to it, which is fine. It's just that the the story is so simple when you have a, a detail like the distance of things or how why are they not communicating with each other? Yeah. Uh, it sticks out a little bit more. Well, they do that stuff. There's another point in this episode where I kind of went, huh? And it's not a big deal, but it's just one of those things that seems like they they just chopped the storytelling time down for the sake of doing it, which is uh, at the end when um, the cat, the Earth captain is leaving and Saru is like, yeah, so uh, this, sabotage, this little sabotage lady is going to stay with us. And at no point has he interacted with her. Yeah. And so at some point <laughs> off screen, Stamets has explained the entire situation to her, to him. To him, yeah. And he has agreed to let the person who sabotaged the ship stay on uh, for because she's a trailer or whatever. Mm. Um, well, he doesn't like, know yeah, that yeah, at okay. that point, right? He he uh, <clears throat> does he learn that at that point? Stamets doesn't tell him that he that it's a trill or she's a she's a trill in terms of what the story is saying. Um, but yeah. Saru I just I think it might be after that, yeah. Yeah, Saru either way goes along with it just based on her being her being an ex saboteur. And I'm gonna say her because the character is well, being referred to as a her in this episode at this point. Right. Um but I also think I also think he does know because like he knows that that she is somehow connected to this general, which is information we never see him get. We only find out how in that following scene when she when she says that she's got a trill symbiote. It's just weird stuff that they it's weird scenes that they choose to to show versus other ones they choose not to. Yeah. Yeah. I uh what'd you think of this one in general? Uh I honestly don't know. This is the first episode that I just I'm not really sure where I stand on it. Um I liked stuff about it. I thought uh, I really liked the stuff with Saru and the um, uh, Earth Captain and Burnham all kind of pulling him in different directions and and him trying to figure out what the right decision is and trying to be a captain like he's really thrown into the fire. Like anybody can sit in a chair and do like a a negotiation with a space pirate in a bar. That's easy. That's Mm -hmm. like, but you know, when you get into a situation where you're dealing with five different parties all pointing guns at each other ready to blow each other out of the sky then you really have to figure out what it means to be a captain um so i like that stuff uh most of the rest of it just didn't really sit with me for some reason like i i don't know if it's it's i think part of it is that this episode in particular it's like every scene Everybody has to make sure that they uh, th- throw affirmations at everybody else before they talk about anything. Mm-hmm. It's it's just like, you know, it's a scene with Burnham and Saru. And before they can talk about what's going on, they have to be. I would just like to say, Saru, that you were born to be a captain. And I would just like to say, Michael, that you are the greatest crew member I've ever served <laughs> with. And it's like, what? <laughs> I don't I don't understand. And every single scene was like that. Burnham and Tilly was like that. Yeah, I, I don't know. It's just something. Something about it. The Burnham and Book was like that. It's something about it just didn't sit with me. And I, I don't. It wasn't bad, but I just kept waiting for it to kind of like click in, and I, I never felt like it did. Yeah, I am. Um, I think my big point about this 
series in the show. And I don't know if this is a bigger thing with TV at some point because we were talking about um, where you, I have not seen it, but you were talking about like the haunting of Bly Manor or whatever that mm, Netflix mm-hmm. show is. Um, and you had some criticisms about it that I think you were saying more generally applies to kind of prestige TV at this point, and that there was a podcast I listened to on the watch that talked about this, which is like it's a the the episodes feel the series feel almost artificially stretched out in that you're bringing a cinematic vision to something, but you're stretching it out because you need ten episodes of something to make it a TV show instead of a miniseries, right. and so you right. you end up with these long uh, sort of ponderous character things where it's characters talking about stuff and i was kind of wondering if this is a larger shift towards a younger writing staff generation where like we came in on the precipice of social media but i'm i'm honestly started like the, the the big thing that sticks out to me is that this incredible focus on emotion like everything mm. is just how the character feels, but at the same time, it's not coupled with an experience. So right. it's this generation that grew up on social media. This is just all what I'm like spitballing here. It's this social media generation. Angry Dad West, <laughs> but has like, thoughts about social media. I I certainly feel in my life that my experiences have gone <clears throat> down as I've gotten older, and social media mm. probably plays a part in some of that because it's like a lot of my stuff is now absorbed through the the mechanism of social media. And I'm wondering if there's a generation coming up that doesn't really have experiences anymore that are like real Mm. world experiences that they do things. They're so online and they're so connected that the only thing that they know is that they're supposed to be emotional about everything, but they don't have a story to tell about why they're emotional in the first place. And that feels like discovery to me. It's just, Mm. it's a lot of characters talking to each other with a swelling score. Everyone's crying all the time. Tilly has not seen Burnham for what in her terms is a day. She hasn't seen it for a day. She just came through the wormhole and they had that cowboy experience that took six hours and then Burnham rescued her. Why are they emotional about this? There's no reason for her to be sad. Burnham I can kind of buy, but I don't even buy Burnham because it's only been... It's only been a year, which is not an effective amount of time. But that's my core issue is this, is that it just makes me wonder if this is a reflection of like the current experience of growing up, really, is that Mm -hmm. like you're so disconnected from actual events that happen like you're only seeing things online and you're only absorbing stuff that comes at you with no real hands-on experience to it i just wonder if it has some kind of impact because it's just so perfectly mirrors and i know a lot of the writers are older so this is not actually the case but it just seems so hand in hand with each other that i find it very frustrating well the the tilly scene was for me more about she was kind of processing everybody who had died and like the stuff that they had gone through. Um, but still, yeah, it's, I don't know. Who's I mean, emotional? Uh, Tilly's emotional. You're Tilly's, talking about. yeah, yeah. Cause she's, you know, putting the, the pins for all the dead people up on the board there. Um, I assume that's what she was doing anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, so I can, I can understand her. They, th- to be fair, they have been through a lot uh having just defeated control jumped through time beat up a space pirate and then you know all all in the span of like 48 hours essentially mm-hmm. so i can understand where she needs a minute um but generally i don't disagree that it's uh but it's only an yeah. intellectual minute like i this character has never there there's been no sense of building a community on this ship 
I'd still mm-hmm. bear, I don't know the the other bridge officer names. I don't, I don't sure. know who these people sure. are. Yeah. I'm, I'm familiar with them now because I recognize their faces because they've been the same people for a couple episodes at this point. But yeah. like Tilly, you know, this is not, Discovery wants me to assume that just because Tilly, the character, knows these people, she's going to be sad about it. But to me, it's just like, the fuck? Like, the, no, mm. no one, no one has really bonded with me the viewer in this sense so your idea to just jump ahead in time and have tilly be sad about it is it's that's really the most frustrating part of it because it's it's people overly emotional about stuff that the show is not really setting up to be emotional about so you sit there and you go stop fucking crying stop crying just well it's also it's also um i think this is a problem with a lot of modern tv too is it's people getting emotional over stuff that we didn't see. Yeah. Like there's a lot of reference and um, uh, emotional stakes built into stuff that we're not actually seeing on the show. Which is my social um, media point. They, they're like, right, people are supposed right. to get upset because they heard about something that happened. Yeah. And there's no connection to it. So it's it ends up you have characters talking about stuff a lot and getting emotional while they're talking about the stuff that they did, but we just got to kind of take them at their word that it's a big deal. Mm. Um and it's uh, exemplified perfectly in the back and forth with Book and uh, Burnham, Burnham, where they're just talking about the good old days crazy, that happened in the, the, past, yeah, the, the good past old days two months. Of eight weeks ago. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 just really strange that you're they're the stuff that they're talking about and getting emotional about does not compute necessarily with the stuff the show you're actually watching. And I think that's where the disconnect is happening for me because it's like, okay, these people are getting emotional and this this stuff is happening, but what I'm actually watching take place in the show doesn't seem to mirror that. Um, or those emotions are not born from from anything that's happening in the show. Yeah. And I shouldn't say anything. Some things come through, but a lot of it, a lot of it seems to be uh, uh, artificial. I think it's I, I think it's hampered by it's relentless too. There, there's it's there's nary a scene where someone is not impacted by something. Um, mm-hmm. Even the scenes where they're trying to figure something out, it feels like. Speaking of being impacted by something, there's mm-hmm. one scene that just baffled me, and I don't know if you have an explanation for this or anybody else has an explanation for this. But when Burnham gets back to the ship, maybe now that I'm thinking about it, I understand it. She's walking around and she's about to go on a turbo lift and somebody comes out of the turbo lift and says, welcome home commander or something. And she has like a stroke mm-hmm. where the, like the camera gets all wobbly and she like goes, Oh, and I was trying to figure out is, did that guy is do something to her? But I guess, <laughs> I guess now that I'm thinking about it, it's the first time someone called her commander in a year. A year. Yeah. It's the, it's the shock of realizing she's back in Starfleet, I think. Yeah. That didn't super play with me. I think because I'm thinking like, yeah, it's been it's been a year. Who Yeah. Your life hasn't changed that much. I mean, it has, but also it's like I don't know. Still remembers everything she'd have to do, I would assume. I assumed it's- I assumed more based on the way they've done these weird sort of close up freak out things with, you know, uh Detmer and stuff. I was like, Oh, does this guy is this guy an alien or something? Is he right. messing with her mind? No, she just is taken aback by being addressed by her rank. <laughs> I think this. I still think there's room to turn her and Saru into antagonists towards each other here. Like the, mm. 
if they well, it seemed like they were setting it up. Yeah, like like what we were talking about last episode about this idea that you've got Saru as the angel and George Ao as the devil. They were kind of playing with that a little bit, and I like that stuff. I thought the the interaction with George Ao and 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 Burnham was was pretty nice uh, as far as like you know her explaining Burnham's headspace to her. I thought that was that was not cool. Um, but yeah, by at the end of the episode, it's basically like, despite what happened, Burnham, I trust you, and I we're best friends. And she's yep. like, we are best friends. The, the whole, so I don't know the whole plan where they off camera capture the guy that they need to. Capture. Oh my god, that was so fucking dumb. The, <laughs> but it relies how, on it relies how? on Saru doing the do? right thing. <laughs> sure, yeah, but it also relies on them executing their yeah, plan, exec- which, which is no way, too, way too complicated did. to actually pull off. But they managed to do it. Yeah. Yeah, they just met the off camera. They managed to get on that guy's ship somehow, kidnap him, get back to their ship, fly <laughs> from where from that guy's ship back to Discovery, and then I I don't know. It's it was that was that's that's what I'm talking about. Where it's like you're you're taking a bit of a narrative leap here by saying, oh, just take our word for it. This stuff happened off screen. Yeah, especially when it's like the core of your conflict. It's the yeah, it's. I mean, w- to way be- to way to set up way to set up this idea that maybe Burnham might sell the dilithium to this guy by not actually showing her have to deal with that situation. Yeah. To be fair, when we talk about this in the the Genesis thing that's going to be coming out for the patrons, uh, Genesis revisit, they they rescue Nurse uh, Oakawa in that episode, mm. but without see, well, you don't see how they actually oh, yeah. find her yeah. and stuff like that. Yeah. It feels like it's less important though because this is like the that's not. Sorry, go ahead. Well, this is like a a multifaceted plan hinges on this event, yeah. and they manage yeah. to do it, and they don't show you how it's done. And the the Genesis one, it's more just we have to find this person, and then they find that person apparently on the ship after looking for her. Is what you're yeah, supposed that's to exactly what I was going to say. Saving saving the nurse is not the linchpin to everybody not dying. Right. Well, I mean, I guess it is, but in a different way. Um, and also, I so they took every piece of dilithium off the ship and stuck it onto Book's ship? That's a lot of dilithium, isn't it? it- I was... Um, they seem to have a lot, but every time I've ever seen dilithium in the show, it's like a baseball-sized thing that they pull mm-hmm. out of the engine. So I, I was actually surprised that Discovery has so much in its stores. They have like a wine cellar worth Yeah, of. with a robotic arm that you can pick your, your finest vintage that you want. But yeah. it has to go into Book's ship because Book, I guess, is technology that cloaks dilithium so that people can't find it or something like that. Sure, so. sure. Yeah, I, I was. Um, I'm not sure about the dilithium thing. They don't really do much with the burn in this episode either. They explain that dilithium went inert, and then it stopped functioning after a certain point, and everything blew up. Um, and that's I really also learned about it. So the the other thing that was confusing me was I was really losing track of who knew what and who they were trying to lie to or whatever when they approached Earth <clears throat> and they started talking to the captain. Because Saru is talking to this captain and they are the stuff that he's saying about like, he's like, all right, we got to pretend that we're Starfleet and that we've been away for a long time. But there's like, I, I don't, I couldn't tell how much he knew versus what the captain knew versus how much he was making up. I just found, I found that scene very confusing as far as like, what position everybody was operating from as far as knowledge about the the fate of the Federation. Because yeah. like they're coming back and they're like, oh, we'd like to just talk to Starfleet Base on on Earth. And she's like, Starfleet Base hasn't been here for 25 years. And it's like, what I I thought 
Starfleet blew up like a hundred years ago. I couldn't, I couldn't track. Oh, the, 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 yeah, the time I'm, I, I think I'm understanding what you're saying. And I was surprised that Saru doesn't really make a misstep in that conversation that causes mm-hmm. them to go like, what the hell are you talking about? Like how they're kind of, there's a little bit of an out that they have where Saru, no one seems to be like required. People are mildly surprised that people don't know things, but people can just show up and not really understand what's going on. And the excuse is we were just far away and it took a long time for us to get back. What's going on yeah. around here? And they've relied on that quite frequently in, in this episode and the past ones. But no, I was, that scene seemed like, like they it was set up to me. They understand that the burn happened and they understand that all of the dilithium blew up, but they don't understand that the Federation doesn't exist anymore. Right. Yeah. I, I don't know. I, it's, I, I couldn't quite follow what they were trying to do. It's just loosey-goosey. It feels like one of those scenes where Saru <clears throat> will put his foot in his mouth and that causes a problem right. by him saying something that he either he's unaware of or he makes a mistake and doesn't remember that these people shouldn't be aware of that or that they are aware of it or something. Mm-hmm. It, it doesn't mm-hmm. really matter. Uh, it just it, It's another sort of... Um, it's just a scene about him talking to that character and trying to get back onto Earth, I suppose, um, which is now no longer part of the Federation. Um, if the Federation but, even see, exists at this point. That's the thing. That's what I was also losing track of. Like the disconnect between Starfleet and the Federation was a little bit gray for me <clears throat> because Starfleet doesn't exist, but the Federation seems to still exist. Seems but Earth to, without, part of it. without Earth, yeah. yeah. And so like that was, I don't know. I, I, that, that I was, I, I, I always have a, uh, I always assume Starfleet and the Federation are kind of the same thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you know where one goes, the other also goes. And so, the idea that Starfleet is has been destroyed, and the way they talked about Starfleet being destroyed in the first episode being like this, you know, the greatest government in the world is now gone or whatever. Yeah, it's it's strange for that to be gone, but the Federation still exists. So it's like the Klingons and the Romulans and whoever are still hanging out all in one group, you know, chilling yep. with each other. Yeah. But so it, you know what I mean? Where it's like the, the that stuff is, is a little bit gray for me as far as uh, let's put it this way: if I was new to Star Trek and had only really watched Star Trek Discovery, I would be very confused. <laughs> I think you're supposed to think of it as Starfleet are the cars and the countries are the Federation. So mm-hmm. they have no means to communicate with each other and they're kind of splintering. But so I, my my analysis of this would be that Starfleet is in worse shape than the Federation is at this point. There is there is no Starfleet anymore. It's just a sort of splintering Federation sect. Um, I When you put it that way, it's a lot funnier to think about the way they talk about stuff, because in that, in that case, it's like. How do we know Saru's going to do what you want him to? Because he works for GM. That's, a, <laughs> that's what it is. They have a code. Everybody's got to have a code. Um, yeah, it's. I don't. I because you'd I think similarly. the Federation. You'd think the Federation falling apart would be a bigger deal. That's like the UN falling apart. That's like a that would be a bigger deal than if all of the UN's trucks stopped working. Well, yeah, and to be clear, I think that the Federation is in rough shape at this point, if it still mm-hmm. exists. I think it, here we get the implication that the Earth left the Federation, but I don't know if anyone follows up with, does the Federation still exist at all? That's that's what I think the problem is, is the way they talk about the Federation, it's like nothing has changed. Earth has just decided to not be part of it. Right. Like, it, there's no establishing of, 
It's like the Federation. You mean the Klingon Romulan Alliance? Right. It has called the Federation in 150 years. You know, something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's they don't they don't do that. I'm I'm similarly conflicted. Although I um, I probably like this episode maybe a little bit less than you. I um. Because I, I, if I'm remembering, I, I liked the last one, the second one, a little bit better. Mm-hmm. I think it's been my favorite of yeah. them so far, just because it felt like it had it had something going on in it, um, at least in terms of uh, plot that's like revealing stuff about the state of the universe, whether or not you, you, you know that these couriers are, exist. They show you an example of a courier. They show you that Saru is under pressure to try to live up to the values of the Federation. Here... I think this is a weak sauce version of that for Saru. Again, his his mm-hmm. decision here doesn't seem nearly as difficult or complicated. The stumbling into this Earth Federation thing, I like. I, I guess I understand the point that they're going at. That everyone is so thick headed and stubborn at this point that no one does the obvious thing of like ask what's going on anymore. People just shoot at each mm-hmm. other the minute that they see. And I understand trying to break through that, and Saru is going to be the. Uh, the great discourse maker or something or the negotiator who sort of brings stuff back into line. It's just that I I feel like maybe we had this problem in previous seasons of discovery. When you make this leap into this new setup of stuff, if you don't have a firm establishment of what the rules are in this new universe, all of the problems that you create have me sitting there going, why is this a problem? Why can't right, they send messages right. to each other? Like, what's what's going? I understand the ships can't fly around, but they can still send messages, right? Like, can't, you can still email and stuff in this twenty fourth century. It just feels like the the timing of the ships all blew up a hundred years ago. Everything just immediately shut off. There's just no yeah. ability to go around it, and I, I find that hard to buy <clears throat> in a lot of ways. And it, especially because it's a hundred years, and it was the Federation, which was a pretty well-running machine, you can assume. It, it just feels like it collapsed so quickly and so powerfully that I have a hard time buying it. And if I'm mm. not buying it, I have a hard time with the rest of the actions that come off of that happening. And there's there's also other stuff, too, where it's like, I I don't know what I'm supposed to feel at the end of this episode because you've spent the whole episode talking about how Earth is now isolated and a lot more violent um, Earth looked great the f- at the end. Earth that's what I was going to say. <laughs> they do this like they go back to to uh, San tree. Francisco, yeah. and Starfleet Academy looks pristine. Yeah, and then they go and they hang out at this giant tree, and they're like, oh, "Isn't it great that we've been gone for nine hundred years and nothing has changed?" And then they just <laughs> zoom out. They do the zoom out and big swell with like bah, 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 yeah. bah, 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 and you know the Golden Gate Bridge and the shuttles flying, flying around. around. Yeah, yeah, and it's like. Earth has never looked better. Like <laughs> I I was, you know, we have talked previously about how um you say like this people criticize this show for political reasons but it doesn't really have any politics. This was the first time that I I I felt the politics coming through cuz it seemed like they were going for like a, you know, Earth was a stand-in for like America essentially. Yeah. yeah. And they were becoming more isolated and and standoffish with everybody. But you kind of undercut your point when you get to a America or Earth, and it looks fantastic. 
And it's like, oh, it's great. We don't let anybody in, and we're living in a utopia. We should just all hang out here. It's like it's should have just opened with a guy reading a newspaper on a bench, and the headline on the front of the page is just zero percent employment continues for the fifty seventh yes. year. It's like, it's like what the, what's going on? Everybody's everybody's walking around with masks still because the world is ravaged by coronavirus, but it looks great. Um, but you terrible know what I mean? CG it's like, too. That CG was really, really, really appallingly bad. I, I can't yeah. hold it totally against them, but. They they went for big they went for that big zoom out shot which just it they really looked um really ugly and pixelated up against that tree or whatever but yeah it's such a strange ending though because like it is. they I, don't run into a human they don't talk to no they don't talk to a single person. person yeah <laughs> no no people it's like it, they you've got five of them all grouped together walking through like an open park with no identifiable stuff around they're like ah. Nothing has changed. It all looks exactly the same, and it's like, like exactly like what, like the the park you used to walk through uh, yep. nine hundred years ago. I'm not, I'm not understanding what I'm supposed to be grabbing onto here. And then when you end it with this big swell of Earth looks great, don't worry. I, again, I don't know what message you're trying to tell me about the world. Yeah, because leading up to is this, it is- this. Lo- well, the, the defense saying, force is supposed to defend against raiders, right? Like they're being yeah. Earth is being raided apparently constantly. It, it does. Yeah. The shielding works magnificently because everyone looks perfectly fine in the interior. I would, I would argue, you have to show some devastation down there, and this yeah. that this defense force is up there as a necessity to stop even more destruction. But people or, below should be living in some kind of weird system. Or traditionally on Star Trek, this episode would be they go back to Earth. This defense shield pops up and they say, we can't let you in because Raiders, blah, 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 blah. Then they somehow make it through and get back to Earth and realize Earth is in fantastic shape. So clearly something fishy is going on. And this, you know, whatever government is ruling Earth is now using this defense shield as a way to, uh, you know, control people who are that kind of thing. And so it now becomes like this question about who these people coming when you reveal these raiders to be citizens of earth who are not being allowed back in for whatever reason now you get into an interesting like political and and socio-political argument and uh, story but it's just like a tag of confusing emotions yeah at in this yeah because uh, you would think you would think that yeah if they're defending against raiders earth must be getting decimated by raiders yeah but it looks it looks like San Francisco's doing just fine. Yeah. <laughs> they got rid of their homeless problem. The water is clean. The bridge is still standing. The bridge blew up in the Dominion War, but they rebuilt that goddamn thing. It's mm-hmm. going to still stand mm-hmm. there. Um, talking about DS9, the only other aspect I think we have before we can call it a day is uh, how's it feel to have a trill back in in Star Trek? I'm I'm for it. I. Uh... We thought we. I think everyone in the on the world predicted that this was going to be a way to. Uh, well, it's a it's obviously a way to tie the past to the future in this series. Like they're the mm-hmm. trill are the one characters that you could reasonably have exist in both things. I don't know if they're going to have Dax make an appearance. I'm I'm kind of hoping they don't I have s- Dax make an appearance, but I still have my money on they do. I I don't know. I think it's a coin flip. I, there's someone in the room pitching for Dax to show up. Let's put it that way. Because <laughs> I assume that they're using this Admiral is using the Trill name, I would assume. It's like Admiral Tall, which sounds like a very mm-hmm. Dax symbiont type name. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. So I don't think that we'll see that. There is another Trill character coming who's called Gray, I think. 
uh, but we meet Adira here, who is a human uh, who has a Trill symbiont implant uh, that this Admiral gave to her before he died, and the Admiral is the one who sent out the distress message that Discovery responded to. So mm-hmm. um, I'm happy to I see think that's Trill. great. I yeah, I think that's a great plot point. I think that's really interesting. I'm I'm all for that. Yeah, I, I, I think that they'll be good. I, I think they even did a pretty good job of catching people up who are unfamiliar with the Trill are. They do that fairly effectively mm. and believably, where Saru is like, the Trill, symbionts, memories, <laughs> and Burnham agree and nods yeah. along with them. Um, I think her introduction is a little too um, cute for me. The way that she's yeah, the, pranks, the way the, that she's bouncing yeah. around the ship and sabotaging everything, and kind of causes the problem that they all end up in. Yes, just because she wants um, to stay on the ship, she's a historian of ancient yeah. Starfleet or something. Yeah, yeah, it's I, I don't know. There's only so much cutesy stuff you can do, I think, in a, in a show like this, and I feel like they're really pushing it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I I think her character is is a is a great addition. It's really that's a really interesting way to go. I saw some people complaining that uh this not being able to access the memories because she's a human and not a trill doesn't make any sense because Riker once was attached to a trill and was yes. totally fine yeah uh i'm willing to he, believe he was not fine it killed him but he okay. he, he, he well, it didn't kill him but it, it it was going to kill him if he didn't he mm. had to act as a temporary host but yeah uh he did have the memories of the trill while he was under its influences so i'm i'm willing to accept that it's not an exact science Mm -hmm. when it comes to trill symbiotes on non-trill hosts so i'm gonna let that one slide i'll I'll let and it looks like next episode is trill focused we go to their little uh trill pools it looks like which are those cloudy milky water things that the symbiotes live in and it looks like Mm -hmm. burnham is in the water at that point so i'm sure we'll get some more introduction or more information about it um that's it that's all i have to talk about let's take a break we'll play a clip and then we'll come back give our final thoughts and then wrap it up people of earth captain indoyer can earth provide engineers and equipment to titan so an accident like that doesn't happen again and assuming titan's research was not lost perhaps it could be shared with earth in return i'm willing to discuss terms As am I. All right, so thank you very much for listening. Thank you for supporting the show. Patrons are much appreciated. You can go to patreon.com slash the file if you want to support the show. A couple dollars a month gets you extra stuff. And this goes out, to, what's today? Friday. You might be too late, but we did do the Halloween thing. I think this might post tomorrow depending on my schedule. So mm. thank you very much for supporting people uh, on the Patreon. Much appreciated. Patreon.com slash the file. And as always, we give a special thank you to our Captain Tier patrons, Christian Pouch, Tark Latif, Chris Tinsley, Mike Burnett, Sean, Cardinal Doomsday, Joint Mango, Matt Cutler, Ben Douglas, Kyle Barrett, Samuel Custer, Grim, uh, Nick Sergi, Bradley Killens, Matt Ross, Rune Bendler, Nathan Ellick, Eric Johnson, Andrew Cherlog, Grim Santo, Point Extra G, Dwayne Hackett, Apollo Roscoe, Jordan Cooper, Derek Zajac, Kevin Reyes, Fall 13 Hero, Stephen Minton, Nick the Rat, Darth Mosk, HH28, Mad Curry 6, Jacob123, Mike Harris, Jakey's Gamer, Patrick Seba, Captain Brazen, Kevin Lowry, Eric Santuan, Corey Martin, William Scheisler, Timothy Cooley, Zane Majors, and Soylent Blue. Thank you very much for supporting the show. Hope you're all enjoying Discovery, which I am not at this point. <laughs> um, final thoughts. I, um, my, my wife, Amy, always uh, comes in and asks me sarcastically if I'm enjoying this. I think she can just tell by mm-hmm. my face what's going on. Like, 
me looking at this is just me going, <laughs> just watching it. Um, I would like to tell you that I almost, because it's back in fashion again, hit you with a bore at my wife. No, so. that's I, super, I super against super. <laughs> Well, if that can come back, 2020 isn't a complete wash at this point. Mm. Um, I thought this was another... This is probably, I don't know, like there's only the three episodes. I only thought the second episode was something that I was interested in of this season so far. This, I'm not really, um, I I really, and I know I know everyone complains about it, and I think Zach Hanlon's review, so like the dividing line, I think, on this series is whether or not you can endure <laughs> the emotionality of what's going on here. If you're like, I'm okay mm-hmm. with this stuff, you can probably get through this show, I think. I find it... um relentless like cynical manipulative Mm -hmm. devoid like insulting to real emotion like insulting to people who actually feel things insulting to people actually reunited and stuff like that like it's this weird it's just it's experience devoid of the actual experience it's just like you're trying to get to the end result in a way that they're trying to get to like a plot end result they're like we don't need to show you the stuff in the middle that results in this it's just you should just know that when we get to the end of it you're going to feel this way and i it's clearly a show's intention it's it's not the case where in the first season we're like he's just kind of like not sure what to do and they're like we just got to give them with some emotion to make it seem like this stuff is actually landing by now they know what they're doing and this is a clearly intentional choice and I don't know what it serves. I don't know. I don't know what it is. And the only thing, the thing that would be balancing it out is the mystery of the burn. And I'm not intrigued by the mystery of the burn because I know it's going to be discovery related at some point when they get to the end of it. I, I, mm-hmm. I have to bet some money that discovery doing something in the past is what caused this burn to happen. The show is, show is so insular that way that it'll always come back to Discovery. I have a theory that it's not Michael Burnham related, but it's her mom related. Yeah, that was on the Discord too, which it, yeah. it could be. We, I don't. Did they, they call her Doctor Burnham? Is it's probably her name, right? Doctor Burnham I don't or remember. something. I can't remember. I I do I do love that. Like the what happened is completely realistically referred to as the burn. Mm-hmm. And, you know, if you want to go for those stupid singular names that they do in these shows. But like we, everybody just assumes that it's a Zardoz situation <laughs> where it's short for Burnham. Somehow <laughs> they're going to figure it out somehow to make that the case. Yeah. But uh, the fact that, that she mentioned in this one that uh, she sent a message to Tara Elysium and they had never heard of her mother. I was like, uh, I okay, honestly she- cannot, I could not tell you where her mother is or what her mother was supposed to do. Do you remember what her mother no, was doing? No idea. Okay. Nope. But uh, I, I assume it's like when she gets pulled back through the wormhole, she ends up 100 years too early and her suit explodes or some shit. I don't is she, know. She is, but, she's not in this timeline anymore or she is on some other? I don't know. Pl- okay. I, <laughs> Undetermined. They just said that Terralisium has no idea who she is. Okay. I don't even remember that. So Terralisium does exist somewhere. They didn't end up there and she is not on this planet or whatever she was trying to do. Yeah, I mean that's another thing that you'd think would be like a show. It's like, oh, they make they finally make it to Terry Elysium so she can see her mom. Yeah, we have no idea what her mom's up to. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I, uh, uh, I, I do chuckle at this being called People of Earth, and you don't actually see any people of Earth. Yeah. You see two of them. <laughs> the, yeah, the Defense Force people. 
Yeah, and also the 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 Raiders end up being people of Earth yep. technically as well. I guess I but only think of I the. Get- uh, I think it's the earwolf shout out for things like how did this get made? He goes, "Hello, people of Earth." Oh yes, <laughs> yes, <laughs> yeah. I mean, well, they could have had this would have been a great episode to have uh, Paul Shear's yeah. lower decks. Yeah, the engineer show up. The engineer show up and just speak over yeah. the loudspeaker or something. We didn't even talk about the uh, the Raiders. Did you Did you have any thoughts about the the Raiders there? Uh, and this weird uh, Star Trek mask. I mean, well, Star Wars mask he was wearing. Well, and his name is is Wen, which is Ren. Like he he just he seems exactly like he's supposed to be modeled on Kylo Ren, and with a giant praying mantis helmet. Yeah, with his with his yeah, it's a it's a it's it's a prank. I, I didn't mind the helmet actually. It's kind of strange, but it did remind yeah, me right. of Ren and. Just a conflicted character who's you know doing stuff like that. It, it, I when your when your big reveal is you take this helmet off and it turns out that they're from Earth and this however many years long fight between you and your home planet of Earth over resources or stuff. The the resolution comes down to communication. Yeah, I'm gonna say you didn't try your hardest if every time you show up you're wearing a giant monster mask. <laughs> Take the fucking mask off and talk to them as a human and say, guys, we're from this planet. Stop killing us. Yeah. Well, that's that's my point. Send the message before you get into weapons range. Be like, guys, yeah. we need help. It, it takes you... I looked it up on Memory Alpha. It takes an hour and a half for you to get here at impulse speed. Could you could you come on over and fix the, the water heater that's leaking in our basement? And I mean, to be fair, anytime... Anytime someone from Hudson, New Hampshire drives down to my house, I immediately start opening fire. No, I, know, so <laughs> I can understand it. It probably worked the other way. New Hampshire is a little bit more lenient on that That's kind true. of stuff. Yeah. Yeah, Anytime so. I drive to my parents' house, <laughs> as soon as we cross the border, it's just fire <laughs> whizzing past the car. Do you have any final thoughts about this one or uh, um, any changes in your season outlook or we didn't talk about yeah, book. I don't, know. I don't. I don't really have anything. To say. I, I don't mind book, but he's he's basically a character who has not upset me yet, so I don't have any sort of mm. negative feelings about him. I guess I'm I'm kind of caught in a weird place with this show because the last two seasons have been so serialized that usually by this point in the season you have a general idea of where things are going, and I don't have that here, and I don't think that's a plus because. Don't get the sense that they're driving towards anything specific, but I don't also get the I also don't get the sense that this is just going to now be about the discovery out there solving space crimes or something. Mm-hmm. It doesn't it doesn't feel like the episodic nature is not set up either. Well, they're resurrecting um, the Federation by the end of the season, right? Sure, I get. Yeah, if if the <laughs> if the if the stakes that you want me to get into are can one person bring back the roman empire yeah. sure fine uh very quickly it's just Re- like very very quickly, quickly over yeah. the course of the next like seven episodes she's going to resurrect a monolith that collapsed under the weight of yeah you know it's it's strange maybe not all the way she's, but if it doesn't my, end with her going like and that is why we must be the federation again and the Andorians and the vulcans and humans all shake hands with each other and it's like it's reborn yeah. or whatever yeah. well i'm i'm hoping if they do go that direction and this idea it's like okay michael burnham is going to spearhead the recreation of the federation i hope the dark side that uh, that george Ao has been nurturing comes to fruition where Burnham has the option of becoming the emperor right. of the Federation. And so she's dr- driven to that point where she has to make this decision about does she act in in uh, the best uh, 
in the uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, best intentions for the way Star Starfleet would do something, or is she so jaded by the twelve months she spent in London mm-hmm. that uh, she's going to take everything for herself? That'd be kind of interesting. Georgiou, um Georgiou really stuck out to me in this episode. She's she's a character. Completely- Why are they friends? Yeah, why are they friends? <laughs> but she, she's also I don't a understand. She's completely. She just really sticks out as a character. Mm-hmm. It's like a like this one for some reason really stuck it out to me because she's she's basically just in the cast now, like on this crew, and she stands at like commute com, like command centers and does things for them. But her her entire setup is that she's an evil character. So when, yeah. when they're doing stuff and she chi- like Saru is like, we will make peace. And then George Ao is like behind a station and she chimes in with something. It's like, can we get her off the bridge? <laughs> there's, yeah. there's no reason it's not like, to be here. It's not like they brought Mirror Universe O'Brien back. Right. Or M- Mirror Stamets to- who needs to fix the spore drive or something. And yeah. He's, like, he's, he's necessary for them to continue. Yeah. yeah. Well, but even like it's not like they brought back a side character from the mirror universe who is evil because that's the nature of the universe, but not necessarily. Oh, I see what you mean with Mirror O'Brien. He's still a nice guy in the mirror. Yeah, universe. he's still he's still got he's like you can see the glimmer of how maybe you can teach him the the error of his ways. They literally brought back the evil empress of the entire mirror <laughs> empire. And it's just like, yeah, hey, space Hitler, if you could fill in on comms for a half an hour, that would be great. <laughs> It's just she a strange over book. She... <laughs> and like, you know, she's they're like joking with each yeah. other, walking through the hallways like, oh, Philippa, you're such a you're such a cad. And it's like she's <laughs> murdered like a millions of people. Yeah. And no one seems to care. <laughs> it's very strange. Let's call it a day there. Wasn't blown away by this one, but I do feel that this is a episode that will maybe connect to something like that i feel like it's an episode that is hard to stand on its own in a lot of ways not like the second one so we'll, we'll see what happens next week that's it thank you very much for supporting the show patreon.com slash the if you're so inclined it's much appreciated clay do you have anything you want to say before we go uh no we got rotten horror picture show we just had fright night our halloween episode come out this past week so you should check that out next week we're uh trucking along with badass uh, we're almost done with season three and uh yeah so that's that's about it i guess my only other thing is that uh for discord captains if you go to the discord and you join the captain's ready room i've been doing um star trek watch alongs on the amazon prime with people i just i put it i don't know why i never realized to do this but i put it up while i'm like doing an edit or making uh like scheduling posts or something oh, like sure, that yeah. and it's just i can chat with people while they're in there and people just can, can hang out and do stuff so it's a nice low-key way to watch some old episodes we watched uh, the begotten and darkness in the light recently the two ds9 episodes so that was fun i'll keep doing that so if you're interested in your captain go to the discord and join the captain's ready room uh server uh that's it Thank you very much for listening to the show. That's People of Earth. I think they do know the next episode title, and I'm going to click on it and learn what it is. Forget-me-not. Burnham and Adira visit the Trill homeworld, while Saru's efforts on the discovery to help the crew reconnect yields surprises. See, that's that's like one of those things where I feel like just showing up on the Trill homeworld seems like such a... They're cutting out so much stuff. Right, that they you get know, there it, so quick that, that yeah. they just warp. Well, they have the spore yeah. drive, so it's within canon's believability. I did not like... It's such a discovery. In the trailer, 
the <laughs> this isn't exactly how it goes, but it, it hits you this way. It's like the Trill priests obviously show up and they're like, "Welcome to Trill," and Burnham just karate chops all of them. And it's just like I know, I know. She like throws her cloak off. <laughs> I know the Trill have to be the Trill are going to be compromised somehow, right? Like that's the only way they have to be. And I'm not, I'm not. Yeah. It's not that that doesn't make sense, but it's just. She's just going to karate chop them, and that's what it is. So we'll see. Forget me not. I can't be negative before I get there. I don't think people want to hear that. So thank you very much, guys, for listening. We'll see you next week with Forget Me Not, and as always, Enterprise continues. See ya.